Good evening and welcome to our evening service. Welcome those folks on Zoom as well tonight. Nice to have you with us. Again, we want to welcome Kirk with us this evening and he's going to be bringing us the Word of God. But right now it'll be to read the Scripture and to lead us in prayer, if you will. I misplaced my tablet. That's why I'm walking around. But I have... I have an alternate route here. Okay, the reading this morning is from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. Verse, chapter 3 of John, verses 1 to 21. Yeah, there we go. Where did I leave it? Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Floyd. Yeah, distractions. All right, reading from uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. And I'd like you to look for something as I read this. Jesus is going to characterize two kinds of births. And I want you to remember the words that he uses to describe them. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and yet we, and we, and ye receive not our witness. Verse 12, If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you? of heavenly things. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, 
lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Did you listen for what I asked you to listen for? We'll take it up in the, uh, in the introduction. I hope you caught it. Let's pray together. Father, with great joy this evening, we come together and assemble as your people, as your people redeemed by the blood of your Son, according to the eternal covenant made before the world was founded. According to your good pleasure, you sent your Son to give his life as an atonement for our sins, a propitiation to make satisfaction for the offense of the sins of your people. And for those that are here today that are trusting in you, it is owing only to the work of the Holy Spirit who has opened the hearts and the, and the eyes of those uh, of your own and, uh, and have imparted that, that knowledge. And we thank you, Lord, that our eyes have been opened. And we pray, Lord, that we would see and understand what, what is to be our role while we're on this earth. We acknowledge you as our Lord. And we decide, we have made a resolution, Lord, to, to honor you in the decisions that we make, the things that we say and do. And, and Father, we pray that, that we would be diligent in undertaking those things that, that, uh, that you have planned for us. And we ask, Lord, that uh, over the course of this evening, that uh, as we look at the subject of growing in grace, that we would take heart these things that are all according to your good plan and purpose for us. We may not understand uh, why some things need to be done and how and have a full understanding of the doctrines of Scripture that we uh, are expected to learn and grow in, in grace thereof. But, Father, we, we know that your Holy Spirit will, will attend to that whole process and will bless us throughout our lives. And, Father, we have tasted and seen that you are good and will continue to do a good work in each of us. And we thank you, Lord, that we bear your name, for we have been adopted as sons and daughters in the faith. And so we pray tonight that as we continue to, to look at the subject of grace, that, uh, that your Holy Spirit would bless to each of us a greater understanding of these things, that we might further uh, glorify you and that we might give you praise and glory and exalt your name. For Jesus' sake, amen. We read in Scripture, give and it shall be given unto you. We cannot outgive God. Time now for us to give our tithes and offerings. Gentlemen, please. funny story. I haven't got time to tell you, but Deborah was playing the offertory and that was actually set up as our, our final hymn, but not all of the hymnals are consistent in showing that or listing that hymn because it's near the end where funny things happen. All right. Let me get set up here. I have my tablet now, so that's good. That helps. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be both glory now and forever. Amen.
So tonight we're going to be talking about growing in grace. And this is a process for, uh, for all of us. And it's God's intention and will for us to grow in grace uh, as we live our lives. He teaches us and he equips us for the work that we need to do. Let's uh, join our hearts together and submit to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, with great joy, we uh, sit down before your open word. And as we come humbly, Lord, our, our desire, uh, we know and we're convicted that we, we don't have the knowledge that we need. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to have discerning hearts and would train us up in the word so that we would have that spiritual wisdom to be able to recognize and identify the differences between what is sin and what is not. We pray, Lord, that you would sanctify us by, by giving us this, this kind of wisdom that is not like the world's wisdom. And as we look to these different uh, scriptures today, Father, might we, uh, might we see that these are duties that we need to, to carry out on our own. It is your plan that we do this. And so bless these passages and, and, uh, and this, uh, this material here to our hearts so that we, we might be better equipped to grow in grace. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Christian life begins really like, like any other by, by being born again. And we're, we're born again when we receive Christ. And, uh, you know, John 1, 12 and 13 says, but as many as have received him, to them he gave the light to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so we are born again when we receive Christ. Now, specifically, uh, what I wanted you to, to see uh, from the passage that we read was, was this next line. Two births are described. There's the birth of the flesh and the birth of, uh, in the spirit. So what is born of the flesh is flesh. And what is the born of the spirit is spirit. And so we're all born into this world as little babies in the flesh. And uh, sometime later, uh, we may be born again in a spiritual way. But the nature of those two things is very fundamental. And it was something that, that Nicodemus struggled with because spiritual birth is not at all like, like a physical birth. And, uh, and we, we have to be born twice in order to be saved. Everyone's born once, but to be born the second time. And Christianity is not a religion where man reaches up to God and man tries to, uh, to perform in such a way that God will notice him and God will react. Uh, Christianity is a relationship with God. And so instead of men reaching up to God, Christianity is a life where God reaches down and he changes us. In fact, he changes us into new creatures. Second Corinthians 5.17 familiarly reminds us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In fact, the old man is not equipped to understand the things that the new man is now making part of his life. And those are the doctrines related to God. These are things that are spiritual in nature and, uh, and the natural man cannot understand them. And with this new life, of course, comes the imperative for maturity, that we would be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. Matthew 5:48 says, therefore you shall be perfect, perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. 
And so the gap exists now. We're not perfect. We're somewhere below. And so there has to be a process where, where we can be sanctified and we can grow in grace so that we can uh, become more sanctified than we were before. And uh, Romans 12.2 uses the word transformed in this context. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now this word transformed also implies a process for us. And uh, it's actually a lifelong process. And we learn, as Isaiah mentioned in Isaiah 28.10, we learn uh, line by line. Uh, Isaiah says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little patiently absorbing and and relating the word of God as our understanding grows. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher managing all of this uh, as we learn and grow. And so as we are born again, then we are blessed by the Holy Spirit and uh, for that growth. And, you know, just like uh, um, uh, the expectation there is, is, uh, Anything where there's life, there, growth is expected. You know, you go into the garden and you look at the plants and you look at, see if their color is right and if the leaves are wilting, if they need water. Because if there's no growth, then you, you, you might suspect that uh, there's no life there. And so we have to be very careful that we don't stagnate. I think perhaps some Christians might think that, you know, I'm saved now. You know, it's, I've got my ticket. I can just go to the departure lounge, just like the airport, and just wait for my plane to come. But that's not right. You know, we live in a world where salt and light, we're, we're in among unbelievers in this dark world, and we, we need to have an influence. So, uh, so let's talk about what growth in grace is. There's a lot of flipping here, but there's just a few lines on each of the slides. We're going to define what, the gro- what growth in grace is first. And to do that, we're going to define what growth in grace isn't. So if you're not confused, don't get confused, please. Uh, growth in grace. Growth in grace is not becoming more saved or more pardoned or more justified than we used to be. We're either justified or we're not justified. And so some of those things, there's no half ways. Uh, Adoption, for example, we can't be a little bit adopted. The process of salvation is uh, involves some processes and some things that happen uh, right away. So when we come to faith, we're justified. We're declared not guilty. And that's 100%. We're 100% justified. And uh, we're righteous in a, in a sense as well. I don't, I don't want to confuse things, but we receive the righteousness of Christ by, impute, by imputation. And it's not actual righteousness, I can assure you. <laughs> Some churches would say it is, but, but we know that, that it isn't. We still need to learn and grow. Uh, Now, growth in grace, according to J.C. Ryle, is an increase in the degree and size, strength, vigor, and power of the graces which the Holy Spirit plants in a believer's heart. So what we have in our heart is is there in seed form, and it's kind of growing. And uh, and that's that's God's plan, that we would learn and grow um, as time goes on, uh, using the various means that he's appointed. So that's the definition, really, of what 
what uh, growth in grace isn't. And uh, now let's look at the expectations. And we mentioned it before. God expects us to grow and mature in the faith. And as time goes on, we'll learn more about Scripture and we'll learn more about the nature of God and uh, the story about how God's atoning work uh, unfolds in Scriptures. And we remember when we grow up, uh, we're growing up perhaps and going to Sunday school and we learned all about David and Goliath and and uh, Daniel in the lion's den and all of these stories about God with his people who had called a people uh, and given them his name uh, in all of the nations of the world. And they're interesting stories. And each one helps us to learn about the, the nature of God and, and uh, what God's plan is for his people. And so we grow from, from these kinds of things. And if we think about it, um, we have, and we just, we just spent uh, several weeks in, in the adult class talking about the, uh, I guess the faith hall of fame is what you would call it. Those that went before us walking uh, in, in faith and making decisions that, that honor and glorify God and looking beyond the adversity of the situation to see what God's plan is long-term. Uh, we think of the patriarchs and how they behaved. They, their eyes were set on things, not of the earth, but on the, the city whose builder and maker is God. And these things are of a spiritual nature and not of a physical nature. Think about the, uh, the apostles, Peter, Paul, and John, all have stories of a turnaround in their life. You know, Peter went from denying Christ to being God's keynote speaker in, in, on the day of Pentecost as a, an ordinary unschooled fisherman. And he was impressive. He, he wielded the word with skill because the Holy Spirit had outfitted him for that on the day of Pentecost. And look what happened. 3,000 souls were, were baptized that day. Think about the Apostle Paul, who was passionate about, about uh, chasing down Christians, uh, even getting uh, a letter of permission from, from his boss to go to Damascus so that he could round up and uh, incarcerate Christians. And then he was knocked off his horse when he actually met Christ and he said to him, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus Christ, the one that you're persecuting. And we know, of course, that Paul became the great evangelizer of the Gentile, the, uh, Gentile world. And we can see that uh, he was greatly used for the Lord. And I don't know how he ever lived that down, his beginning. Aren't you the guy that, that went and, and uh, arrested Christians and threw them in jail? And think about the Apostle John. He went from being a son of thunder when, when his mom went and asked the Lord Jesus if, if her two sons could sit at his right hand and his left hand, you know, wanting that power perhaps. But he went to uh, become the apostle whom Jesus loved. And, and his precious writings now are, are wonderful to share with new believers because they, they illuminate and they really describe the love of God for, for his people. And so here we have these... Uh, these three that, uh, that stumbled and fell and sinned, and we have the record of their sins. And, uh, and yet we see that God has matured them and he has used them in, uh, in a great way. So I hope this encourages everybody because we can all be used by the Lord. So that's what growth and grace is all about. It are these changes managed by the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers to give them maturity, to be able to use the word, to be able to... to uh, understand the nature of God and be able to share and express it with somebody else. So what are some of the evidences of growth? So we're going to go through four of them here, and these will go pretty quickly. Uh, how do we know that growth is taking place? 
So we look for evidences. And in the life of a little baby, you know, we're, we're praying for Anita Joy now that, uh, uh, that she show evidence of growth. She's putting on weight there. So our prayers are being answered and we're being encouraged by that now. And as Cheryl is able to, to hold Anita, it's, uh, it's nice because uh, it all, everything seems to be proper now. I, I hope that God continues to, to bless her. So uh, the body gets larger for a baby and stronger and they learn to speak and they begin to understand more complex things. And I talked about the garden and the way that we look for evidences. And the evidences of growth and grace reflect the changes that are brought about by the Holy Spirit. And so uh, let's look at these increases uh, or let's look at uh, the effect of, uh, sorry, how, how increase in love is one of the evidences of, of growth. So we talked about the life of a little baby and we, we talked about all of these changes that occur in us are as a result of the, the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this pertains to the last slide that, that we're going to be talking about an increase in love, in faith and in knowledge of God. And, and we're going to, to see also that growth in grace is, is accompanied by our desire to grow in holiness as much as we can. That's what we want. That's what we desire. And that desire is God has put there. So much evident uh, is the increase in love for one another. And uh, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. And so he points that out as, as a marker that indicates that growth is taking place for the people of Thessalonica. Now, Paul also urged the Thessalonians to grow in their love for each other. And we just revisited this on Thursday night, if you remember, more and more. So the whole idea here is, uh, is that this, this is a process. He's pointing out that they're doing well. Keep going, keep going. Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10 says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And that's the point that he was making there. We need to continue. Uh, in fact, brotherly love is such a natural expression of grace that it becomes a, a kind of a universal tell for Christians. Uh, those people are Christians. How can you tell? Because they have a love for one another. John 13, 35 says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so we need to demonstrate that love. That love is, is clear evidence that the, the Holy Spirit is doing work in our hearts and maturing us. And uh, John puts it this way in First John three fourteen. We know that all have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And so this is one of John's black and white sayings where he says that if you have love, you're saved. And if you don't have love, you abide in death. And uh, it's, it's very simply put that way. Uh, since love is such an important attribute for Christians, Paul adds that it, right, that it rises above all the other graces. And uh, we all know the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. We hear it read at weddings. But the last verse is what I want to share with you. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. 
The greatest of these is love. Now, in addition to an increase in love, we have an increase in faith as well. Second Thessalonians 1.3 says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. And so what we'll see is not one of these things is isolated from the other. All of the things that I'm talking about, love, faith, uh, knowledge, holiness, all of these things are all related. If one grows, the other grows with it. And, uh, and these things are demonstrations that we're learning and growing. Matthew 17:20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, I will say, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? They're small. They're tiny little things. They look like little ball bearings. If you, if you drop it, you'll never find it. Just go get another one. But, it's, uh, but that little tiny seed grows into a huge, huge tree. I've never seen a mustard tree, but it's supposed to be big. And uh, there are many parables that talk about the nature of the kingdom of God and the growth of it with regard to faith growing exceedingly large from a very, very small seed, the mustard seed. Now, faith keeps our eyes fixed on Christ so that we can navigate the challenge that we face in our lives. And I borrowed that one from from the, the, the adult class in the morning because we've been talking about it and seeing so many examples of it that it helps to reinforce that we need to keep our eyes fixed on Christ. This morning, we talked about Peter sinking when he was walking on the water because his eyes went were diverted off of Christ and they began to sink. And so let's keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Now, because all of these things are related, a growth in faith also results in fruit of the Spirit being more evident in our lives. And, and the great passage that describes that is the list in Galatians, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about this as evidence of growth in grace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such, there is no law. And so, of course, these are the fruits and these are the things that will be seen in the life of of a believer as they mature. And it's exciting to see these changes happen uh, to people, especially if you knew the kind of people that they were. And, uh, but we're all in this together and we're all, we're all seeing and witnessing uh, each other in growth. And we all have a part of each other's growth and that's coming up as well. All right. Along with faith and uh, uh, love and faith, we have a, a growth or an increase in, uh, in knowledge. A growth is shown by an increase in our knowledge of God. Colossians 1 doesn't develop the point, but it does mention it here. So I'll read it. Uh, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And see how all of these things are related together. An increase in the knowledge of God. When we first came to, to faith, we, we heard the gospel message that Christ came and he died in our place to save us from our sins. We probably learned that day one. And, uh, and then all of the details around that kind of filled in for us. And then we, we, uh, we, we learn more as we read the Bible. We learn that Christ has an interesting, uh, uh, he's an interesting uh, man because he's also God. 
He's the God-man. He has two natures. And the God, God has three, consists of three persons. And so we see that there's some complexity in the nature of who God is. And over time, some of these things settle in our hearts and we begin to understand and accept those things. And uh, that's all part of the learning process and everybody has to go through it. So growing in our knowledge of God means learning what his desire is for us. And also we learn what pleases him in, in our life. And uh, this growth becomes uh, um, evident as, as we begin to make choices in life, choosing things that are pleasing to him. And so I, I just talked to Carrie a little bit this morning about uh, life is choices. We make choices in life and some choices honor God the way we, what we do in those choices. And sometimes we fail to honor God in the choices that we make. But at its very simplest level, living is making choices. And that's, and, uh, and that's what we need to do is we need to reconcile the things that we say and do with what is taught in scripture. And that is, that's our goal. So increasing in love, increasing in faith, increasing in knowledge, what also increases is the, our desire to grow in holiness as well. And God calls us to make this his lifeline long goal to be holy. So there's a few passages that I want to share with you uh, on the subject of becoming uh, holy. Uh, Ephesians 1.4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I've just grabbed that little section, but that but what's re, what's required, what what God is looking for, is that uh, that we should be holy and without blame before Him. It's a it's a lofty goal. And and when we when we take and read and study Sharnock or whatever the the attributes of God, and we understand that that God is uh, perfect in His attributes, and that's something that we can aspire to, but we can never achieve. And uh, whenever we get into a study of God and his attributes, we, we find ourselves uh, standing around a, a fence around the, uh, the unknown. And it's a, a fence around the mystery because we'll never understand God because he has chosen not to reveal certain things to us. First Peter 1.15 says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So it's a high calling. It's a... Uh, this calls for, uh, for a work of the Holy Spirit in us to produce that holiness in us. And we need to cooperate. We need to make that our goal, to, uh, not to hinder the Spirit as he works in us. Uh, Paul tells us, and, and this, is, this is very, very interesting when you read this, because it kind of puts us in our place. You know, we're struggling and learning. And sometimes we're excited about the rate that we learn, and we learn certain things about this. Well, the Apostle Paul what does he think about what he knows? Paul tells us he does not think he's yet achieved the kind of perfect holiness that God desires. And it's spelled out in Philippians 3, 12 and 13. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may hold, uh, lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting about those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And so we see what the Apostle Paul's attitude is. You know, I've, 
you know, I've arrived and I'm just going to go and sit in my lazy boy. But no, that's not it. He continues to grow in grace, understanding that the Holy Spirit is continuing to build him up. And he's continuing, even where he is in his, in his life and relationship with God, to be growing in grace. And so this talks about the different evidences of growth. But what means does God use now to produce that growth in us? And there's five quick points on, on this one, and then we'll wrap it up. But we're going to talk about God's word, adversity, private devotions, community worship, and community fellowship. And we're going to look at those, those things. So first off is, uh, is God's word. So God uses his word, scriptures, the Bible, for our spiritual growth, and we will never outgrow it. It's for our growth, but we will never outgrow it. First Peter 2.2 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. The milk of the word, basic food. It's the ABCs of our spiritual growth. And, uh, and, and of course, we need, we need a constant supply of it, don't we? Just like a baby uh, is constantly uh, feeding and growing. God's word is our rule of faith and life. And it contains all the wisdom we need. And uh, there, there are a few passages that talk about uh, the value of the word in our lives. 2 Timothy 3, 15, 16, probably the number one passage. Uh, and from that childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. This is Paul talking about Timothy and his background, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. So the scripture is able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And they, they give us all that we need to, uh, they fill in all the back, it fills in all the background information uh, that we need. It's exciting to learn and grow in our knowledge of the word and to, to see how things relate as our field of view kind of increases. And we can see things that we read perhaps a few years ago in Scripture, and we see them uh, as we grow, we see them in a different light because we've learned more since the last time. And we're connecting the dots, and it's exciting for us. God uses adversity, and uh, adversity is one of God's most effective teachers. And uh, my, uh, my father used to say that the smart person learns by other people's mistakes. You know, and if you're not that smart, then you learn by your own mistakes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, adversity. Adversity speaks louder than uh, the voice of rebuke. You know, sometimes adversity hurts a little bit. Romans 5, 3 and 5 and James 1, 2 to 3. So we'll read the Romans passage here talking about adversity. And not only that, but we will also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now we talk about hope a lot in, in the adult class as well because hope is, is what carries us forward. Hope, hope defines those things that are yet to come and gives us the confidence that they will come as if they'd already happened. And that's what, what faith is all about and how it's tied to hope. 
James 1, 2 to 3 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What? That's unusual, right? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And so the, this, is, this is what happens when we face adversity. We're forced to make decisions. And, and those decisions, they reveal a lot about what we've, what we've learned since the last time we were in this situation. And we draw upon those experiences and what we know from the Lord to, uh, that uh, equips us to make the right decision. Adversity. Adversity makes us stand strong and witness with integrity. It toughens us up. You know, it's like you go to the baseball game and the, the batter's on deck and he's swinging two bats, you know. And then when he gets called to, to go up and it's his turn up, he tosses one bat aside. And the swinging of the two bats is like a, a drill that kind of prepares him uh, for when he's going to be swinging the bat and playing the game. So it's, it kind of gets him ready in a way that uh, anticipates. Uh... All right, let me move on. Uh, private devotions. And, and what I'll say about this, uh, uh, in every discussion of Christ, Christian maturity, we talk about the importance of a regular devotional life. And it's whether you read the daily bread or... or uh, uh, work through some kind of a guide. As long as you have a, a, a daily uh, time that you spend with the Lord, open the word, read the word. It's good to read uh, plans that take you through the Bible in one, two, three, four years, uh, because then we're not missing anything. You know, and there's, there's many devotional uh, um, books that are available that will, will help. But it's good to read the word uh, cover to cover at, at some point and, and try to do it regularly because it, uh, it, it helps uh, us to get the full picture of what the word teaches. And so we should set a time uh, each day to meet with the Lord. Um, as far as verses go there, I, I, I just picked a Psalm 119, 147. Uh, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. And we know about Daniel who prayed several times a day and he had his routines and uh, these routines uh, are, are time with the Lord where, where we uh, shut the door and uh, that's a time of growth. And we submit ourselves to the Lord and the Lord uh, prepares our hearts as we spend time with him, reading and praying and reading devotional materials. Good habits. And we need to, uh, if we're not doing this, we should start to do it. We start this week, just Pick a, a, a section of scripture and, and read it. And then the next day, and the most important thing is to guard the time and to, 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 to ensure that that time is, is not going to be taken by something else. I like the mornings because everything else, all bets are off, right? You don't know what's going to happen for in the rest of the day. Something will come up. Okay. Now the last two items that, uh, that are the means for growth and grace are community items. The first is worship and the second is fellowship, but that's us together. So for worship, God uses uh, corporate worship for our growth. And obviously preaching and teaching are the primary means of growth for God's people. And in the pastoral epistles, you can see the emphasis that Paul places on, on the preaching of God's word to God's people. Uh, Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, uh, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And, and he takes it back stage by stage here. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Good things. And Paul exhorts the young preacher of Timothy, to, or Timothy the young preacher, to preach the word. Using those words, exact words, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. It can be frustrating, but he's telling Timothy, be patient with the people. Reason with them. Present the gospel to them. Present scripture to them. Talk about it. Talk about it all the time. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And this is... Uh, this is what I'm talking about as part of a worship service. And this is what's happening now. I'm, I'm disclosing to you the word. I'm breaking the word. And, um, and there's no opportunity for discussion here, but there's other things that are available in community where we can look at these things that we're learning and discuss them. And so I just call that fellowship. And this is, this is very important. Do you know that God uses fellowship, the fellowship of the body, God's community, as part of our sanctification and our growth. We mature each other when we're together by example and by leading and by our influence on one another. Uh, fellowship with other believers is also used by God to bring them to maturity by the use of gifts and interactions. The Holy Spirit blesses his people with gifts. What for? It's for the express purpose of blessing others within our community. My gifts are for you. Your gifts are for me. And if we use them, then we enjoy the mutual benefit of those gifts. So when God blesses you with your talents and your gifts, he does that for the benefit of the rest of the folks in, in the community. And usually if God gives someone a talent, they, they end up doing it well and they don't mind doing it. And so this is God's, God's plan. A bunch of joyful workers, each of them a specialist in a certain thing. And, um, and all complementary, you know, not everybody is a, is a kind of a specialist in one thing. You know, we're, we're, we have different backgrounds and we, so we bring different things to the table. And, uh, and that's the purpose of gifts from the Holy Spirit, to bless others within the community. Those that have the gifts of teaching and evangelism can bless others whenever they meet. And uh, informally, uh, we grow through the casual discussions that we have uh, with each other. As iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens the countenance of his friends. And, and the big thing when we're together uh, as a community, and uh, especially when we have the less formal sort of social gatherings too, this is when the one another's of community can be applied. We have peace with one another. We love one another. Show affection for one another. Receive and admonish one another. Greet one another. The list goes on and on. Forgive one another. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage, confess to, pray for, be hospitable to. There's so many things that we do uh, for each other that end up blessing and, and helping us to grow and mature in grace. And so thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. And I hope that I've been a blessing to you as well. We're all part of this network where we bless each other and uh, help each other grow in grace.
And so that's basically it. And uh, what we're talking about here is the life of a believer. And uh, of course, if you're not saved, then I don't know what you're going to do with this message, where you're going to file it. None of us was born saved. And so if you're not saved, I, I just urge you to consider God's plan of salvation. Consider the claims uh, that, of Christ in Scripture and, and come, come to see uh, your need for God. Ask us questions who are believers. Come and see me if you want. And I'll tell you a little bit about my experience as well. We need to understand that even our best achievements and thoughts and motives are defiled and they're offensive to God. But we, we need to understand that faith in Christ is the only way to eternal life. And if you're saved, are you growing? You know, you go into the garden and you see that little brown plant there that looks like it needs water or maybe needs to be fertilized. You know, are you growing? Are you making righteous decisions? Are you pleasing God and blessing his people with your gifts and abilities? Are you using your gifts in the body? Are you growing in your understanding of scripture? Are things becoming easier for you? Is, are, are you getting the big picture? Do you see progress? Are you forming lifelong friendships with godly people who can help you? Do you have a contagious zeal for the things of God? Remember, God has commanded that we grow in grace. And so if we're not growing, why not? Life is short. This life is short, very short. But we have God's promise of a bright, eternal future. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is very much involved in in our spiritual upbringing and maturity. And we ask, Lord, that uh, for our part, that we would not... uh, quench or frustrate your spirit as it, as you do your good work in us. And Father, we, we realize that your Holy Spirit is our only true teacher of spiritual things. And as we grow in grace, Father, we pray that we might also redouble our efforts to bless others and also to make disciples according to our call. And Father, always give us a sense that we're in in the larger timeline that that we're that this life after it ends it's not over and father help us to to keep these things in mind because that's that's the mindset of victory and we ask lord that you continue to bless us in the decisions we make help us to learn and grow uh, help us to to relate your word with accuracy and to understand it and to ask the right questions help us lord to grow in grace we ask in jesus name amen